Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. All right, it is time for another edition of the Blue Gold Report. I'm Mike Rags, going to bring Todd Burlidge in here for uh, in just a second. Of course, if you found us on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM, good Saturday morning to you. Everybody else, welcome to the podcast. Of course, rate, review, and share us. And we've got a lot going on as we inch ever so closer to kickoff with Notre Dame and Louisville. Just a few weeks away, and uh, lots going on in camp. Uh, I, you know, I, I usually have this long, drawn-out introduction, but I can't do it, Todd, because there's just too much to cover here. <laughs> right. um, as we just talk about camp, everything that's going on, and a big contract getting signed for a former alumni I wanted to get to as well. Todd, how you been? Not too bad. Busy, busy, busy. I love it. Yeah, it's great stuff. And, of course, as always, um, we will break down camp and what's going on and uh, what we're going to do to stop the run later on, uh, Todd. But uh, let's start every show like we normally do. Uh, Blue Gold Nuggets, what do you got for us, my friend? Got a four-pack here, Rags, a little blend of everything, but you have to start with the big news. We'll call it the bad break. Uh, Junior wide receiver Michael Young, who really had earned and locked down that spot to play opposite of Chase Claypool, and then obviously you had Chris Fink in the slot. I thought that was a pretty good three-pack of wide receivers. Basically the same injury that tight end Cole Komet suffered, a broken collarbone. He has the plates, the screws, and the same prognosis that Brian Kelly offered. Sort of an open-ended at least four weeks, and then depending on how he heals and how it goes, perhaps even up to ten. So that's a big loss because... What we've noticed at practice rags is is the shifting around that has been done. And I'm a little uncomfortable with this uh, in that they actually moved Chris Fink from slot to that outside receiver position and then moved sophomore Lawrence Keys to the slot. Seems to work okay for him, but I just think Chris Fink is absolutely the ideal slot receiver. We asked Brian Kelly about it, and he was basically saying, you're going to see a lot of players in a lot of different positions. We're even going to use some running backs in the slot position. Doesn't seem too worried about it, but again, I thought that the young Claypool think thing was really going to be solid. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out and exactly how Brian Kelly tries to resolve this very serious situation, especially missing Komet as well. One other injury note, uh, Paul Moola. Uh, he is a safety uh, rover kind of hybrid guy. He had to have a tendon reattached in his thumb. Ouch. Um, but Basically, he's back to practice, so good for him. He's a tougher guy than I am, that's for sure. Uh, Moving on to a little bit of hoops news here. Let's start with the men's side. Um, A high school junior, um, he has committed J.R. Knisny. I'm going to go with Knisny, Rags. Yeah, I had trouble with with that earlier in the week as well. (laughs) Yeah, he's a 6'7", 195-pound shooting guard. He's local here. He's from South Bend, St. Joe. Yep. Uh, only one mile from Notre Dame. He averaged 23.7 points as a sophomore. Um, he's a 2021 kid, so he still has his junior and senior years to play there at St. Joe. Uh, the first player from that Northern Indiana Conference to join the Notre Dame team since the duo of Demetrius Jackson and Austin Torres came on board in 2012. And he's the first St. Joe, South Bend St. Joe kid since uh, Captain Pete Miller in 1993. So you have to go back a ways just to give you a little bit of... Uh, Context here, uh, Kinesny uh, had offers from Butler, Creighton, and Iowa, so not a bad deal there. Um, another hoop note, Notre Dame women 
and UConn women have renewed their series for another four years. Um, it takes it through the 2023-24 season. Interestingly, I kind of did a little research so I could add a little something to this. So in the last nine years, Notre Dame has beaten UConn nine times. All other Division One teams have beaten UConn eight times during that same time span. So I thought that was kind of cool. A little bit of Associated Press news here. My notes are all over the place, Rag, so you have to bear with me a little bit. Um, Notre Dame comes in at number nine in the AP poll. It's actually the highest ranking for Notre Dame under the Brian Kelly era here. And it's also the best ranking for Notre Dame in the preseason since 2006 when they came in at number two in the preseason under Charlie Weiss. A couple interesting notes. Last year, Notre Dame was number 12 to start. Ended up finishing number five overall. That was the first time post Lou Holtz, going back to 1997, that an unranked Notre Dame team, I'm sorry, that a ranked Notre Dame team actually finished higher in the postseason than it did in the preseason. I thought that was pretty interesting. Typically when Notre Dame gets ranked highly, they sort of flounder, and when they're kind of an afterthought, they do pretty well. Uh, A couple guys of note on the AP All-American team. No huge surprises here. Julian O'Quarr is a second-teamer at defensive end. Alohi Gilman is a second-teamer at safety. A little bit of a surprise, though, here. Tommy Kramer, um, Notre Dame's guard, the right guard, is also a second-teamer. That surprised me because he's probably the fourth-best lineman on Notre Dame's team. (laughs) So I'm not exactly sure how you evaluate linemen in the preseason, but apparently the folks... In the know, thought that Tommy Kramer is going to have a bust out year, and he very well may. But uh, certainly, when you look at Notre Dame's line and the upsides and the, the, the draft projections, Tommy Kramer isn't the one that jumps out you. And, and those are your blue gold nuggets, Rex. Yeah, very interesting stuff there. Uh, and before I get to mine, first impression when you heard the ranking. Now, look, you and I always make fun of these preseason rankings. They're useless. They're stupid. They no ranking should come out. The first ranking should be the college playoff ranking, and that's it. Anyway, I digress. Well, I was surprised they were in the top ten. I thought that was a little ambitious on the AP part. Your thoughts? Oh, I don't think that's ambitious at all. I mean, with the, when you look at the schedule rags, I think, which I don't know uh, if they take that into consideration. Yep, in, but, your, in, in that defense, I did say, well, they must be looking at the schedule. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you return your quarterback. You have a lot of skilled guys. Chase Claypool is an, is, is an obvious uh, first-round potential wide receiver. Good depth at running back, and you have two of the best defensive ends, a couple first-round defensive ends, and I think one of the best defensive backfields in the country. I I actually think it's a little bit underrated. Well, look at you. Drinking the Kool-Aid. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I, the only thing I question is, you know, the way they ended last season with that quarterback. Um, I thought maybe uh, we'd be a little more skeptical on it. But I, 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 valid points. I'll take them. Cle- Clemson's way. Clemson, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, yeah, the bonus blue gold nugget. And, you know, you talk about storylines and feel-good stories. I mean, you think about not only a career but a life-changing injury his senior year, but Jalen Smith, obviously, who knew what was going to happen right, right before the draft in 2016, um, and he gets a contract, and not just a contract, a big contract. He's in the top 10 as total linebackers and total contracts, 33 and a, 35 and a half guaranteed, five years, $64 million. Jalen Smith re-ups with the Cowboys, and you know they've got three other guys there on that team, Dak, Ezekiel and uh, Amari Cooper all looking for paydays, but Jerry right. Jones. Jerry Jones just glowed about um, signing 
uh, Jalen Smith about his work ethic, about he never complains, he's always out there, and you just think about um, what he's come back from. Kudos, congratulations, uh, Fort Wayne kid done good, and uh, we're really happy for him. And uh, here's comes more All Pro years, and uh, and and who knows what could happen at the end of this career. So you just you just got to stand up and applaud because absolutely we remember what it was like after that injury, devastating. Uh, he dropped to second round because of it, and it, it, it turns out great for him. He's just a, such an amazing young man, and of all the, you know, I've been doing this for about 20 years, Rags, he's probably still my favorite player that I've covered here, and it's not because of my Fort Wayne ties, it's just because of what he brought. It was always a positive attitude, always a strong work ethic. Even when it looked like his career might be over, he never, ever withered, never did anything. He just worked his butt off, and he got what he deserved here. He's an amazing young man. Good for him. I remember covering, yeah, I mean, all the way back to high school, I was doing stories on this guy. Um, so Jalen Smith, indeed, gets what he deserves. And, you know, Rags, let me throw this on top of it. Jalen Smith, $64 million contract. Did he really need to come back and get his degree from Notre Dame? <laughs> of course not. Yep. But he did. And he did it for his mother, and he did it for himself, and he did it for a promise that he kept that if he was coming to Notre Dame, he was going to get his degree, and he did. Not only that, giving back to the community here in Fort Wayne as well, uh, with uh, so much uh, you know time and effort and schools and camps. Uh, you, you can't say enough about the guy. And and uh, <laughs> as a Cowboy fan, which I'm not, I, I wonder now if they're like, all right, is there more money to go around? Because Ezekiel right. Elliott's got to get back on the field um, sometime soon. <laughs> That's that, I'm this actually is, a co- I actually am a Cowboy. I know fan. you are. Um, <laughs> this is not a Cowboy podcast. Cast, but we'll move on now to kiss. Uh, all right, now sure. I know the place kicker uh, could be getting straightened out here, and I and I'm pretty sure you're saying, uh, looking at camp observations now, getting ready for Louisville, that uh, Dante Vaughn might have found himself a slot, right? Yeah, a couple things that jumped out of it uh, out at us this week. Um, you mentioned Louisville camp tempo and everything has kind of changed now. That's how it goes. Last the, the first couple weeks are more about you know grind and grind and grind and knock each other to the ground and beat the crap out of each other. Once you get two weeks out of your game, then it sort of shifts, and now you focus on Louisville. The scout team kicks into gear where they try to replicate what the Cardinals will do. And so, uh, actually, Brian Kelly kind of backed it off at the practice on Wednesday. It was just shoulder pads and helmets. You know, give the guys a little bit of a break. He cut practice a half hour short on that one. Uh, so things have kind of changed a little bit. You mentioned some personnel notes there. Indeed, it looks like Dante Vaughn has locked down that corner, that other corner we had talked about. It was sort of open, uh, opposite of Troy Pride. Um, certainly, unfortunately, Dante Vaughn will best be remembered for his uh, shoddy work when he tried to replace Julian Love in the Clemson game. But he's had a solid camp. They have so much talent on this back end of this defense. When you're talking about sophomore Houston Griffith, Tariq Bracey, he's great, too. Sean Crawford has really been all over the place. He's a Swiss Army knife back there. He can play the nickel position. He can play safety. He can be corner. He has been all over the place. Um, I'm going to talk about Kyle Hamilton here in a little bit, but he's another one that's going to get in the rotation as well. You mentioned the kicker, Jonathan Dorr. He's the scholarship guy. They brought in Harrison Leonard, the walk-on guy, preferred walk-on guy. It looks like Dorr is going to hold him off. As far as being the starting place kicker, he's done a great job. He really has. Both these guys have done a good job, to be honest with you. Dora was a little sketchy last year in some minimal attempts. Um, I think I know he missed an extra point. I think he darn near missed another one. Uh, but he seems to have found his rhythm 
Rags, I'll tell you what, when this kid kicks, it just jumps off his foot. It doesn't even look like it's like a good, it's like a golfer. You know, it doesn't even look like they're swinging at the dang thing. Uh, and it goes a mile. So big leg and, uh, he seems to be finding his accuracy as well. I mentioned Kyle Hamilton. We've had a handful of open practices to go to rags. Certainly not all of them. I say maybe a third of them we've been able to watch. Kyle Hamilton has seven interceptions. It's crazy. Two forced fumbles. And I mean some bone crunching hits. This guy is absolutely amazing. He's six foot four, 210 pounds. He has these strides, these long legs. He just covers so much ground. He's truly been amazing. Brian Kelly's been kind of downplaying him like big time because you don't want to let the freshman, the, the true freshman, get his head too big. But we finally pinned Brian Kelly down this time to talk about Kyle Hamilton, and this is what he had to say. How does a young player fight through that inevitable wall that you're going to hit? And I think that's probably the first thing that impressed me, was that he fought through that, that freshman wall. Didn't miss a practice. He's in a contact position, and he fought through it. That's unusual. He's got, he's got some, some toughness that um, you don't teach it, 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 uh, at that young of an age. Uh, the second thing, I think, that his size, um, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, very unique to, to have the, the suddenness and change of direction, which offers him incredible range, obviously, and length. Uh, as a pass defender, can't tell you that I've um, I've seen a player uh, that can change direction uh, and, and carry himself um, with that kind of range on the back end. So, you know, that's unusual. Uh, and then instincts. He he hasn't even watched film yet, and when he sees a play, he's able to diagnose it. As much as I've been trying to tamp down the you know, Kyle Hamilton for Heisman, he's a really good player. Um, he's a really good player that that uh, has showed up every day in some fashion. He has a unique skill set. It's interesting, Todd, since we started doing this podcast in the summer now, uh, it's almost become the Kyle Hamilton podcast. It he's, really br- has. he's brought up all the time. Now, my question for you is this. We know that BK is trying to get uh, Ian Book this practice, this sp- this camp, to be more aggressive, open mm-hmm. it up a little bit, you know, and not care, just be a little more reckless. Is any of these seven interceptions maybe a product of that a little bit? Or, I mean, obviously the kid's a huge athlete and he's going to be great, but I wonder if they're opening up this offense a little bit more, if that's what's uh, becoming as a result of it. Well, certainly a couple of them are, are on tip drills and those types of things, but Book isn't the only one that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> True. getting picked off by uh, by Kyle Hamilton. That's for sure. He's had his fair share. But Rags, you just if if you're out there and you're watching the kid, he just has a nose for the football. I know that sounds cliche because, frankly, it is cliche. But this mm-hmm. guy is always around the ball, and I think the two forced fumbles he had a bone crunching hit on Chris Fink, a very reliable guy that's not going to fumble a whole heck of a lot and knock the ball loose from him uh, just yesterday. So it's it, it's just a it's just a knack and and just to watch him move and watch him always be around the ball it, it really catches your eye. You can't help but miss him. A lot of guys get lost in these scrimmages and practices. He is not one of them. Uh, Todd, we talked last week about the defensive line and how it really is the the star of the 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 team all, you know, Offense, defense, everywhere, uh, head and shoulders. But, you know, 
you, you listen to BK, and it's really getting down the basics here and trying to win each yeah. game in 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 the trenches with mm-hmm. the big boys up front. I mean, this isn't. He's not reinventing football. We all want to win. We want to stop the run and be able to run the ball. But that's really where the focus has been this this summer. That's where he seems to, and he was animate about it, actually, at media day on Wednesday, talking about this is going to be our identity. We're going to have to run the football, and we're going to have to stop the run. Again, like you said, it's not reinventing the wheel by any stretch of the imagination. But it was a little bit interesting to hear that because they do have a lot of talented receivers and whatnot. But this is where... He thinks in the trenches is where he believes the strengths are. And I, it, it's hard to disagree with him watching these practices because you watch a guy like Tony Jones Jr., who's really expected to fall very far behind Jafar Armstrong. Like I, w- I would call it like a Jafar Armstrong 75% of the carries and maybe a Tony Jones Jr. 25%. That has not been the case. Jafar Armstrong, be it his fault, or I, but I don't think so. I think it's the elevated play of Tony Jones Jr., it's really a 1A and a 1B, and that gives Notre Dame a, a, ni- a nice dynamic. And I think what BK likes the most about these guys is their bruising running backs, okay? Armstrong, six foot, uh, 220 pounds. Tony Jones, five foot 11, 224 pounds. So he thinks with this offensive line and these two bruising backs that that's going to be the way to go. And he, uh, just to flip over real quick, I know we celebrated the defensive line last week, so I don't want to spend a bunch of time on him. But he did celebrate the job that Khalid Kareem and then Julian Aquara, they're sort of raved about being great pass rushers, but he said they're underrated when it comes to stopping the run. So the way Brian Kelly looks at it, and then then let's throw in Jameer Smith. Okay, He has that broken hand right now, but he's another bruising back, and he's going to be number three here, and he's going to get a lot of of reps as well. Uh, But Brian Kelly said, look, this is how it's going to have to be. It's going to be one in the trenches, and, I, and that's why I think Notre Dame's equipped to do it. And here he is kind of breaking down the run game. I think this team really, it's going to be about the basic tenets of football. Uh, we're going to have to run the ball well and stop the run. Uh, we're going to have to play with a physicality. And um, you really can't see that right now. Um, we're, we're going to have to play that way against Louisville. And uh, so our, our first glimpse of it, will be uh, when we play Louisville, but for the success of this football team, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be up front. It's going to be our offensive line and defensive line and our ability uh, to run the football and stop the run. If we do that, this is going to be a pretty good football team. We think we can be a physical presence because of four returning offensive linemen and three punishing backs. You know, and in addition to that, Rags, all of them can catch the football. And while we're talking about these three punishing backs, a couple of younger guys, Kyron Williams and Sebo Flemister, your favorite guy on the team, Rags, <laughs> have really done a nice job. A couple of young backs that might find some reps and some blowouts, but certainly it's the big three. Well, I would play devil's advocate here. And under Brian Kelly's regime, when hasn't it been about running the ball and winning the game up front? I mean, you look, when have we ever won? Uh, the two undefeated teams, it wasn't because of the yeah. wide-open spread offense passing the ball on every down. No, he's won games in the trenches. Now, the problem is when they get into one of those games, that's usually when the, everything's exposed. So can they push around a team like Clemson? 
One would highly doubt it, and that's the worry. With yes, this is all well and good when you're playing Boston College, and yeah, you yeah. know, but when you're playing high flying offenses and you lose one of your better defensive backs and you have nobody to replace them, you're going to get outscored. So good luck with that. Yeah, it's a great point, Rags, and it's it's impossible to argue with you because the Clemson game certainly illustrates everything you're saying there. You know, I mean, you get down a couple scores and you're going to try to grind and you know pound and pound work. on the ground. It ain't going to work in college football. You make a good point. You know, obviously Notre Dame wants to play with the lead, from the lead. Certainly, I think they have a big play type of defense, much more than last year, that can really switch a game on its own, even even score some points, uh, make some force some turnovers and whatnot. It's hard to argue with you, Rags. It really is. I mean, it, I, it was a little bit surprising to me to see Brian Kelly come right out and admit it that this is what they're going to have to do. Because, frankly, when I look at the makeup of this team, I don't necessarily agree with him, to be honest with right. you. But certainly, he knows a hell of a lot better than I do. Well, and what a lot of the reasons is, is because when you're producing offensive linemen like Zap Martin and McGlinchey and right. all these things, and this year they've got another great offensive line, of course you're going to concentrate on running the ball. As they should. And this offensive line has been a little bit, flown a little bit under the radar, and I'm not real sure why. Working from left to right, you have Leon Eichenberg, left tackle, Aaron Banks, left guard, uh, sophomore, the youngest guy of the group, Jared Patterson, he'll be a first-time starter at center, Tommy Kramer at right guard, and then Robert Hainsey at right tackle, regs. All five of these guys have eligibility remaining next year if they choose to come back, and it's a solid line. Four of them, obviously, were taking Jared Patterson. He's only a sophomore. He's not even draft eligible. But four of these guys, Eichenberg, Banks, Kramer, and Hainsey, are drawing NFL draft attention Pretty impressive stuff here, and I think it's going to be a good line. You know, when you think about working against Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara in practice all the time, (laughs) certainly that's going to help. That can only elevate your game. You know, I I kind of want to focus on Eichenberg a little bit because of the improvement he showed last year as a first-time starter. got really legitimately a baptism by fire. Check out, in in his very first college start, he'd go up against Rashawn Gary, defensive end, who went number 12 overall in the NFL draft, and Chase Winovich, who went uh, in the third round in the NFL draft, struggled mightily. I have a clip here. He's going to even admit that to himself. Steadily improved, and then went up uh, went up against Florida State's Brian Burns, who's the number 16 defense, uh, number 16 player taken in the NFL draft. And then he had to go against Clellan Farrell from Clemson, who went number four overall. So I think between... What he learned last year going up against these guys, and then you couple it with, with what he has to do every day in practice, is really going to make Lee Meikenberg a great player. And actually, here's his assessment of where he is right now. You know, definitely uh, my first game against Michigan, I kind of I always hate watching that game, you know, because it's just I just had no experience. I kind of went out there and I was like, just looking back, like just throughout the clips and stuff, I'm like, what the heck was I doing? You know, I was just, when you get to this level, it's kind of, it's all about the little things, you know, it's not about the big things. It's about where your foot, like feet are, like how big of a step you take, where your hands are. I mean, if your hands are three inches wide, I mean, you could you get blown back into the quarterback, you know. And, uh, you know, from going against those guys, I mean, played against, like, Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns, Clint Farrell. Other guys are just, and then Julian Aquara and Khalid Kareem. I mean, I was very fortunate to go against those defensive ends still here. Did you ever have, did your confidence ever get rattled last year? Uh, 
No, I, I don't think so. I just kind of, I had guys in my offensive lineman room that believed in me, you know, and that was the biggest thing that helped me keep going. Um, I really didn't have any, I really didn't doubt myself, you know, I was just, I was very confident. Well, trial by fire is an understatement. There's no doubt about that, Todd. I mean, um, <laughs> now the question right. is, how does it pay off? And, and we're going to see. Now, the defensive lines that he'll be facing this year are going to be a little different. Um, you look at their schedule, but you never know. This is a great payoff for him in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, when you kind of evaluate the offensive linemen individually for Notre Dame, um, I mentioned Kramer, who's a second-team All-American, which is a little bit uh, far-fetched in my opinion. But as of right now, if you're looking at NFL sort of mock drafts, obviously we're way early in the game here, <laughs> uh, but Liam Eichenberg would certainly be at the top of that list. Um, Robert Hainsey showed last year and into camp a steadiness. He's probably their best offensive lineman right now, certainly the most consistent Aaron Banks, uh, the left guard, he has the highest upside. He's a freak athlete, still has some ways to go, something to prove this year. He became a starter last season as well, so he has the highest upside. And then Kramer, you know, he's coming around. He's had some injuries, and he's kind of he was benched last year at times. It was just weird to see him on an All-American team. But certainly when he came to Notre Dame, he had the potential and the recruiting ranking to do so, and there's no reason to think he's really playing well in camp right now, Rags. So there's no reason to think he can't emerge. This could be one of the best offensive lines in the country. I firmly believe that. Keeping the tradition alive. There's no doubt about exactly. it. Exactly. Todd, great work. Uh, another one in the books. we got to do this all over again. And yet another week closer to that uh, the kickoff for Labor Day weekend. It, it, it's here. I can't believe it. It is unbelievable. And actually, college football starts in just a couple of days. Uh, and uh, actually, as we record this, uh, this weekend it begins, yep. Todd. So uh, it's here if we may. Miami, Miami, uh, Florida versus Florida State's one of them. Now, Hawaii, Arizona, Hawaii, Hawaii. Yeah, 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 that's another good one too. Yeah, a yeah. couple, couple good games to get us going, man. I'm so jacked up. Let's get it going, Todd. Uh, the Blue Gold Report, of course. You can find us wherever you download podcasts, and every Saturday morning on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 FM in Fort Wayne. We'll do this all over again next week, my friend. All right, sounds good, Rags. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.